Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from Horizon West Church. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at horizonwestchurch.com. And if you're in the Horizon West area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now enjoy this podcast from Horizon West Church. Well, good morning again, church family. If you were here when I made my first welcome, you see that I have done a wardrobe change. This is my, this is my superhero, uh, uh, what do you call that, persona, the alter, the alter ego. Um, let, me, let me say this, because I feel like it needs some clarification. Um, I, I've been out for a couple weeks uh, with what appeared to have been a very mild case of COVID. I say that because my test came back negative. Um, but, you know, this is not a season to, to try to push through and be a superhero. So um, thank you for letting me take a couple weeks to just recover, make sure that uh, that, that isn't shared with anyone else. Uh, everybody is doing well. Family all sailed through it uh, really well. Uh, appreciate your prayers. Uh, some of you knew, some of you didn't know, and we were, like, really ambiguous about it. Like, where did Chris go, you know? Uh, but that's, that's what happened, and we just take those things in stride, praising God. Uh, that it did not take a, a, a turn that um, it has for so many. So, um, but that has nothing to do with what I'm wearing, actually. Um, I am wearing my workout clothes uh, because we are starting a new series this week called I'm In. And I wanted to visually represent what it looks like when I'm like ready to take on the world. My routine, get up early. Alex, what time do we get up? Five, 5.30 usually most mornings. Um, we hit the gym. For those of you that remember when I dropped a 200 pound weight on my chest, I won't be doing that during this series. But I'm in, right? I'm in. And uh, so I'm gonna ask, in fact, I'll, I'll tip my hand. At the end of this service, I wanna give you an opportunity to respond in a tangible way, to say I'm in. Like I, I'm in. Whatever God has for me, I'm putting my yes on the table. I'm ready to go. And so what we're going to do over the next several weeks is we're going to look at men and women in Scripture who basically said, my translation, I'm in. You got a life of discipleship for me, Jesus? I'm in. You have a, a mission for me, God? I'm in. You want me to put my life on the line to glorify you, to expand the kingdom of God? I'm in. And we're going to see in these stories what it looks like when our heart moves into a posture of absolute surrender to Christ. And today, we're going to do that by looking at the calling of the very first followers of Jesus. We're going to be in Luke chapter 5. If you want to go ahead and be turning there, uh, we will also have it on the, on the TV screen here behind me. Um, and what I want to set you up for is this. There are two very distinct implications of this passage, and both are important, and I'll address both, and in this order. First... This passage is going to have significant implications for you as a disciple of Jesus. We're going to see the story of a man who had an individual encounter with Jesus that altered the course of the rest of his life. I believe that Jesus wants to invite you as a disciple or potential disciple to go all in on what he has called you to and for. And also, we're going to see that there are some significant implications for us as a church not, not just the individual response, but what it looks like when a church, a gathering of the people of God come together and say, it's not just one or two of us. We're not just saying, well, the pastors and staff are in or, or the, the key volunteer, but we're all in on what Jesus has for us as a community of faith. 
One thing is, uh, uh, from living in Central Florida for many years, I grew up in a place that can't figure out if it's Central Florida or South Florida, um, but it doesn't really matter. I've lived in Central Florida for at least the last 10 years. And one thing that I've noticed, this is just observational, many of us in Central Florida can be marked by our affiliations to things. What I mean is, someone will say, yeah, I, I... I have an annual pass to the theme parks, to Disney, and, and, and I, I pay that you know, annually or, or monthly. I spend money there. I have a bumper sticker on my car, and oh yes, we go occasionally. Or, or I have an affiliation with a gym. I, I'm at LA Fitness. I'm at Anytime Fitness. I'm at Eat the Frog, whatever it might be. I, I pay for that membership. I have workout clothes that I wear, and I go occasionally. Or, yeah, I have this church that I'm part of, I'm connected to it, I, I, I give automated tithing so that it happens regularly, and, and I have a t-shirt that I sometimes wear from the church, and I go occasionally. I want to ask us this question, what would it look like to move beyond affiliation to becoming totally surrendered followers of Jesus? What would that look like for your life? What would that look like for your marriage, your children? For those of you that are single, what would that look like for your group of friends, the influence you would have there? Kids and students, what would it look like in your school and in your neighborhood to say, I'm in as a fully surrendered follower of Jesus? I'm going to give you an opportunity to answer that question at the end of the, at the, end of the message today. Luke chapter 5, let's begin reading there. I'm going to read the first few verses here. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in to hear him, uh, to hear the word of God, this is from Jesus, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Let's stop right there. To give us some context, which is what Luke, the writer of this uh, story, is doing, it says that it's happening by the lake of Gennesaret. Now, if that doesn't sound familiar to you, let me use a more familiar name for this body of water. This is the Sea of Galilee. Uh, let me show you this on a map real quickly here. Um, I, I realize some of you may not be able to see that. Maybe no, those online can see it a little better. Uh, this is a modern rendering. So you see the West Bank here, the Golan Heights. Uh, this, obviously, the geography, although the names change, geography is the same as it was 2,000 years ago. You've got the Dead Sea, the Jordan River, and this is the Sea of Galilee. By the way, the Sea of Galilee is not a sea, nor is it in Galilee, <laughs> which is probably why Luke calls it by its proper name. But, um, but the Sea of Galilee is there. As you can tell, it's a significant body of water, but if you look at the Mediterranean Sea, the Dead Sea, it's, it's, it's significantly smaller than that. Most of Jesus' ministry, or much of Jesus' ministry, happened around or even on that sea of Galilee or the lake of Gennesaret. Luke, at first in this passage, appears to be recording a teaching of Jesus. Did you notice that? It's all about this teaching. He, he's, he's putting out into the boat. The crowds are following him. That They're being seated. You're getting ready for a sermon from Jesus, and we're thinking, this is going to be really important, Right? Like, I, I know who I am. I, I, know, I know that the words of Jesus are infinitely more important than my own. So, like, whatever he has to say, obviously Luke's going to let us know that. 
And yet there's a couple of Easter eggs in these first four verses that indicate to us that this passage is not about a teaching of Jesus. It's about something much more. These two Easter eggs, if you will, and you might want to underline or highlight these in your Bibles, the words two boats and fishermen. Luke just kind of drops those. There's these two boats and there's fishermen and Jesus is going to teach the people. But we're going to see in that that what Luke is doing is he's positioning us for something more than a teaching. Verse 4 says it this way, when he had finished speaking, you're going, did I miss the sermon? <laughs> did I show up late? Like, like I was prepared for this to be a teaching of Jesus. We've got the Sermon on the Mount. We've got the parables. What is Jesus going to say? Luke goes, I'm not even going to tell you what he said. Because this passage is about something more than that. You need to know that Jesus often paired declarations of truth with demonstrations of power. Far beyond my abilities or the abilities of any communicator of the word of God, Jesus could deliver truth, but he also had the ability to come behind it and demonstrate his power as an affirmation that what he was saying is true. Uh, perhaps the, the prime example of this would be the paralyzed man in, uh, in chapter 2 of Mark, and you may know the story where he has these four friends, they're trying to get to Jesus, all the seats are taken, people are standing in the back, they can't get in, and they're like, well, obviously, we'll just take the roof off, <laughs> Right? And they lower their friend. Do you remember this story? They lower him at the feet of Jesus. And you're like, whatever Jesus was teaching, I mean, imagine it would happen here, right? Like if people started taking the roof off, I'm probably going to stop. Like guys, time out. We're going we're to deal with this real quick. Like crying baby is one thing. The roof is coming off. We're going to stop. And Jesus uses that opportunity after his declaration of truth to demonstrate his power. He says, son, your sins are forgiven. And the religious people are like, no, 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 no. You don't get to say that. There's only one person who can forgive sins, and it is God. And Jesus says, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Also, pick up your mat and go home. And the guy does it. You know what Jesus is doing? He's saying, you're exactly right. Only God can forgive sins. You know what else only God can do? Tell a man who's been paralyzed since birth, get up and walk. So declarations of truth, demonstrations of power. In this passage, Luke 5, we don't even know what that declaration of truth Jesus was preaching on, but here's what we find. Luke chapter 5, verse 5. Read with me. So Jesus has said to, to Peter, put down into the deep and let your nets for a catch. Simon answered, verse 5, Master, we toiled all night and we took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking so they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. Had a conversation a couple of weeks ago with Marcio, one of our, our members. Um, Marcio, like myself, is in seminary, um, and we have the chance about once a week to connect and talk scripture and talk life. And, and Marcio has a ministry uh, that is off the coast of Brazil. They drop food to people in the coastal parts of Brazil who are in need. And it's an incredible ministry. He's got, it's actually an international ministry in other places as well. And Marcio said, you know, Chris, as we were talking about Luke 5, he said, I've actually had a lot of experience with fishermen, right? He said, there's some things I can tell you about fishermen. If you are a fisherman or person, it is an all-consuming occupation. This is not something you have an affiliation 
toward. Now, now some of you fish as a hobby, but if that is your occupation, it is an all-consuming occupation. These men and women rise early, early in the morning, and they come back late at night. They spend their days surrounded by water. Their interactions are with animals, not people. And when they come home at the end of the day, they smell like fish, right? Like, like fishermen, it's not just something you do as a part-time job. This is what you do as your entire life. And fishermen know their craft inside and out. They know where the fish are biting. They know what time of day will be the most productive time to fish. They know what bait to use to attract the different types of fish. They're experts in their water. It's a pun. Experts in their field, right? So that's what they, they understand it perfectly. In human terms, Jesus, the rabbi teacher, has no right to instruct Peter on how to catch fish, right? Like, that's not his area. Peter's got to be thinking, Jesus, you stick to the preaching and the teaching and let me do the fishing. That's my job. But notice Peter's response. Verse 5, he says, at your word, I will let down the nets. I love this simple act of obedience. This is Peter's life, right? Peter, Peter's entire relationship with Jesus is, I don't understand what you're saying, but I'll give it a shot. He's stumbling, he's fumbling, but he's learning to be a disciple who says, I'm in. Here at the beginning of the story, I would describe Simon Peter in this way. He understands himself in terms of vocation, and his relationship toward Jesus is one of respect. Okay, that's a good starting point. He respects Jesus as evidenced by his response. If you say to do it, I will do it. Let me bring this home into our world. Some of you also have a healthy respect for Jesus, but it's more of an affiliation. I mean, if Jesus says it, I'll give it a try, you know. I'll kind of dip my feet in the water. I'll, kind of, I'll let down the nets in this one instance. I'll, I'll, I'll try that. It's probably not going to work but I'll give it a shot. Jesus, uh, Peter, rather, uses a term here, um, epistatis, it's a Greek word, and, and the word means master or boss. Okay, that, that's why I say he has a respect for Jesus. He's like, hey, you're the boss, right? If you say to do it, then I'll go ahead and, and let my nets down, which begs the question, what about Peter's interactions with Jesus or his affiliation with Jesus would even bring him to that point? See, he has the respect for it. You are the master. You're the boss. I'll do what you say. And that takes me to John chapter 1 because what we learn is this is not the first time Jesus met these men. I remember growing up in Sunday school with the, the blue flannel graph board. I'm going to lose about 70% of the room and 30% of you will be nodding and laughing. And the little uh, cutout papers of, of Jesus, you know, walking across the blue flannel graph and the disciples all grouped together, like connected at the shoulders. You guys, some of you guys think I'm crazy, but this, this is how they taught us when I was growing up, way back in the 80s. Um, and, and I remember hearing this story and going, this is a little weird. I mean, I get that Jesus is going to do something pretty miraculous, but I'm not going to be like a first-time interaction like, okay, I'm all in. Yeah, I'm going to follow you wherever. But this is what they're going to do, as we'll see in a moment. What happened prior to that? Well, what we learn is John chapter 1 happened prior to that. Look at what it says. And let me set this up. Uh, there are followers of John the Baptist who, who are following after him. 
And John the Baptist has this moment where he says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And his disciples go, Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, let's follow that guy. And so they meet Jesus. This is John chapter 1, beginning at verse 40. So Andrew brought him, Peter, to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John. You will be called Cephas, which means Peter. That's verse 42. That's right. So Andrew, a follower of John the Baptist, meets Jesus, says, hey, Simon, you got to meet the guy who's actually the Messiah. And Jesus, in his first encounter with Simon, says, you're not going to be Simon for long. You're going to be named Peter, which, by the way, means the rock. You're, you're going to be integral and essential to what I came to the earth to do. That's the first interaction. We don't see anything in Peter's response that tells us he said, I'm in. But he, what he did is went, man, this guy has called me up. Uh, this guy has man-to-man said to me, I've got a purpose for you. So he's got an affiliation now. He's got a healthy respect for who Jesus is. But here in Luke 5, in the middle of a boat, in the middle of a lake with Jesus, everything changes for Peter. Let me ask this question. Have you ever felt like you were toiling all night for nothing? <laughs> Some of you raising kids and filling bottles and wiping booties and doing the, the thing, and you're going, man, this is a grind. I get no compensation for this. I get no attaboys for this. In fact, my kids are mean to me. <laughs> I mean, like, like, this is a thankless job. I'm toiling, but I'm not seeing the rewards yet. Or maybe you're working at a struggling marriage and you're going, we've done the counseling, we've done the things, we've, done, we've tried the, we've gone to the retreat, like we have been toiling all night and we've seen no fruit from our efforts. You're punching the clock at work, you're attending church, you're doing the things, but you're going, this is laborious, this is toilsome, and I'm not seeing any change. Can one decision, can one decision really make a difference? I would simply offer my personal testimony. Those of you who have walked with me for a while know it. 15 years old, I was the kid that was at church Sunday morning for both services. Sunday afternoon at four was Bible quizzing, five o'clock was puppetry, six o'clock was drama. I'm not exaggerating. Wednesday night youth, Saturday my family showed up to clean the bathrooms at the church and set the chairs out. I was in church all the time. I knew Bible verses like, like, they, literally, I'm not exaggerating here. When I was a teenager, my church had me stand at the front of the auditorium and people would call out a reference from the New Testament and I would quote the verse. Like, like I knew it inside and out and you know what my heart was? Cold, hard, and distant. It's like, man, I've been toiling all night at this church thing, toiling all, life, all my life at this Bible and youth and all these things, but I was disengaged spiritually. And one night at the impetus of a friend who had recently given his life to Jesus, I was reading through the Gospel of John and I came to a verse that stopped me in my tracks. Much like the encounter that Peter had in that boat on that lake, I read John chapter 10, verse 10, and it said this, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I, Jesus, came that you may have life and have it abundantly. And I went, man, I long for that. Abundant life, life to the fullest, how I read it initially in the New International Version. Yes, 
but, but is that right? Like, I've, I've, I know about Jesus. I have an affiliation with Jesus, and I would not call my life abundant. And the Lord brought me to a point of decision. Chris, you can reject that. You can th- think that's religious talk. Or you can be curious enough to go, what if it's true? What if hitching my wagon to Jesus, what if saying I'm in for Jesus will change everything about your life and give you purpose and hope that you've never had? And by the grace of God and the leading of the Holy Spirit, I chose the latter. And I chose to say, I'm in. Put in other words, Jesus said to my heart, Chris, try a different way, or to borrow from our passage today, take the boat a little further out. You've been hanging out too close to the shore. You got to get deeper. You got to get further out from where you are. Simon Peter's obedience to the command of Jesus, coupled with the power of Jesus, would produce such a large catch of fish that notice what happened. Peter's available resources became insufficient to sustain the results. The boat began to sink. (laughs) Now, I would say that's a good problem to have, but I'm not even sure that it is. Like, if you're a fisherman, it's not like you're making bank. Like, your boat is sinking. And so here's what they do in verse 7. It says, they came and filled both the boats. They called for the second boat, and both of the boats begin to sink. This is after working all night as trained fishermen and not catching a single fish. Jesus gets in the boat, and everything changes. Now they've got such a haul that their current resources won't be able to sustain it. I'm going to come back to that in a moment. But first, let me get to the end of this story. Luke chapter 5, go back with me to verse 8. Now when Simon Peter saw this, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. So also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon and Andrew. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. I told you that Peter uses a term for Jesus in the first few verses. He calls him epistatus. It means boss or master But here, Peter's actually going to switch and use a different Greek word. He's going to use the word kyrios. What does that matter? Here's why it matters. The word kyrios means owner or Lord. Do you see the progression here? Peter's like, all right, Jesus, you're the boss. I'll let down my nets if you say so. And now he's like, no, 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 you're the the owner. (laughs) You're the CEO. You're, You're the man. Imagine working in a Tesla factory and you've got a production manager who's checking up on you and you're like, oh, oh yeah, I got, I got to do what the manager says. I got to do what the boss says. And one day the boss comes and goes, hey, guys, really important announcement. Uh, Elon Musk is going to be here today. So I need you at your best, right? And you're going, okay, we've gone beyond manager. We've gone beyond boss. This is the owner. Like, this is the man. This is what happens for Peter in Luke 5. Jesus, you're not just the boss. You're not just the person that I answer to. Like, I'm starting to realize something about you that changes everything. You are the owner of my soul and my allegiance. You are everything to me. Peter rightly understood that he'd experienced a miracle, and it changed his understanding of who Jesus was. And here's what else it changed. It changed his understanding of who he was. Do you notice the term that Peter uses? This is interesting to me. Jesus did not say to Peter, Peter, you're a sinner. (laughs) But when Peter sees what happens, he goes, Lord, I'm a sinner. 
You know why? Because when he recognized who Jesus was, he recognized his own limitations in a new light. He's like, hold on. I thought you were just a rabbi that I was kind of hanging out with. I, I, I'm not worthy to hang around with somebody that can do that. Like this, you got to get away from me, Lord, because I'm, I'm tainted goods. His understanding of Jesus changed his understanding of himself. This is how the gospel works, friends. The understanding of our sin and need of a Savior is not what disqualifies us. It's what qualifies us. It's the moment we rightly understand who God is in his holiness, in his perfect goodness, and we go, well, I'm not good enough for that. And Jesus says, yeah, 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 I've already already taken care of that. I've already come and given my life on a cross to redeem you, to take the punishment that you deserve. I've already settled your account. Yes, you're a sinner, but the good news is I'm a savior. And it's actually at this moment that Jesus chooses not to double down and go, Peter, I'm so glad you recognized you're a sinner. Let's hang out there for a while. He's like, yeah, now that you understand that and you understand who I am, you're, you're ready. You're ready for what I have for you. Jesus will immediately call Peter to deeper fellowship and a historic mission. And it's on the heels of Peter's admission of his inadequacy. Friends, this is why I will, to my dying breath, preach against what is called the prosperity gospel or or the power of positive thinking. Those messages basically affirm that, hey, God basically wants you happy, healthy, and wealthy, and and if you just kind of have this thing we call faith, which ends up being often faith in yourself or faith in the goodness of the universe or whatever, the Bible says, no, 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 time out. You're not good created good in the image of God, but, but you are fatally flawed through sin. That's why I sent Jesus. That, that, that's why you needed a redeemer and a savior. And so Peter recognizes that he becomes ready for his mission. I told you that at the beginning of the story, Simon Peter understands himself in terms of his vocation and his relationship toward Jesus is one of respect, but now it has shifted. Here at the end of the story, Simon Peter understands himself in terms of calling And his relationship toward Jesus is going to become one of total surrender. Read this last verse with me in Luke chapter 5, verse 11. And when the men had brought their boats to land, they left what? They left everything and followed Jesus. This man, Peter, would end up months later walking on this very lake with Jesus. This Peter would witness miraculous healings. He would see the resurrected Jesus with his own eyes. This Peter, this fisherman, this untrained, uneducated individual who said, I'm in to Jesus, would end up preaching the first Christian message and seeing 3,000 people come to faith in one moment. This Peter would become one of the key leaders of the early church movement that saw explosive growth around the world, Jews and Gentiles, different languages all over the world. And this Peter, who in a boat on a lake with Jesus, had everything changed for him, would end up giving his life on a Roman cross, just like the rabbi Lord who called him to follow. And all of this was possible because one day, Peter said to Jesus, I'm in. This is what I've done. 
I, I understand boats and fish and nets, but Jesus, if you want something more for me, I'll leave all of that. And the rest of my life will be devoted to one purpose, to make the name of Jesus known in this world. I'm in. Speaking of boats, remember I told you that they had to call for this second boat. I think there's a lesson for us in this, and it's, it's that Jesus wants to do something in our lives that our current resources are insufficient to contain. I'm not talking wealth, health, and prosperity. That could be part of it. I'm talking about a move of God in our midst as a church that we would go, God, this is awesome, but our boats are sinking. <laughs> like, like, we weren't quite ready for you to move in that way. We weren't ready to see 30-something students come out on a Wednesday night to hear the gospel, several of them responding in faith at the kickoff several weeks ago. Uh, we weren't quite ready to, to, to see a Celebrate Recovery come to our campus on Monday nights and begin to grow exponentially with more people every week coming. And we, we weren't quite ready for, for our kids' spaces to become inadequate because we're reaching families in the community. Lord, we weren't quite ready for our boats to sink. And I'm excited to tell you, it's the kind of work that God has begun doing here at our church. He is doing a boat-sinking work right in front of our eyes. And it has led us to this. Several months ago, I had a, a conversation with Pastor William. And this was when we were still having the conversation about, do we merge our two congregations? I think it's interesting, this calling for a second boat. We were kind of doing that, going, hey, I got a boat, you got a boat. What if we put them together? And, and, and Pastor William and I said, you know, this could be a really beautiful thing. And by the grace of God, it has been but I don't know that the campus we have is going to be able to sustain these two congregations coming together and because one plus one is going to equal more than two. If God is in this, this is going to be exponential. we got to be ready to call for the second boat. And then over the summer of all times, we began to hit capacity in our kids' spaces and we began having to have tough conversations with parents of middle and high school students where we said, I'm so sorry, we don't, we don't have room for your students on Sundays. Like, they, we have a Wednesday night, but Sunday we got a picnic table and a tattered tent on the playground. Like, that's what we've got. And it became a limiter. You walk into the kids' space and go, man, we, we, don't, we don't have enough room. We got, what do we do with the students? We, even in here, some Sundays we're going, man, this is getting a little, like, we, we need space, we need more. And so we called several months ago for a second boat to be ready. And I'm excited to share with you this morning that a brand new high school in the heart of Horizon West, Horizon High School, has invited us to begin holding our Sunday morning services on their campus. I want to show you some pictures. I'm going to walk us through this. This is exciting movement. This is evidence of God's hand and favor on our ministry. Here's some pictures from Horizon High School. And I'm just going to kind of talk as we scroll through, through these. This is the, the lobby. We can go through these pretty quickly. I just want you guys to see a picture. And I know you've got a thousand questions I'm going to answer in just a moment. Uh, this is building 600 where a lot of our kids and student activities will happen. Tons of classroom space. Um, plenty for us to grow into. Keep going. Uh, this is one of the kids' classrooms um, with three or four other classrooms attached. We'll be able to do a large group in this room. So the kids come right out of their individual classrooms into large group. Keep going. Keep going. Uh, this is just the entrance to our kids' spaces, more kids' area pictures. Go ahead to the next slide here. This is the auditorium. This is a, 
852-seat Performing Arts Center that is, I believe, the prime location in all of the 30-something square mile area known as Horizon West for a church to meet, to be filled not only with the chatter of students during the week or choirs or dramas, but the worship of Jesus Christ every Sunday morning with room to grow right here in Horizon High School. It's even bigger than that. It's even bigger than that. My first conversation with the principal of Horizon High School, which by the way was opened in August, she said, man, we would love to have a church here. She wasn't so much excited about the Sunday morning, although that was part of it. She said, hey, what do you guys think about helping us bring on the Fellowship of Christian Athletes? Amen. And also, would, would your members be willing to have lunch with students during the week? And I'm like, yeah, 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 let me, let me go beyond that. Yeah. We, we've done school partnerships where we do teacher blessings like we're going to do for Horizon High School on September 24th for their pep rally. And we've, we can offer a mentoring program. We got adults who are ready to mentor young men and women who are at risk. Like, we're ready to go in to be a partner for Horizon High School in the heart of this community where people are coming from all over the world to get there. And we're going to say, here is a church where you can find hope and healing and where you can encounter Jesus. So what about this campus? Well, this is part of what I'm so excited about. Because the reality is that most of the ministry of Horizon West Church will continue to happen right here at our Oasis campus. You go, wait, I thought we were moving. No, 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 no we're extending. Amen. This isn't a new boat. It's, a, it's, it's, it's not a different boat. It's a second boat. Does that make sense? Like, we're not, we're not trading in for one for the other. God has given us the opportunity to plant ourselves right here on the Oasis campus to be a center for hope for those looking for recovery on Monday nights, for students that need fellowship and need to hear the gospel on Wednesday nights. We're talking with two other ministries about using this space during the week. This is gonna be the place where our uh, community outreaches like Fall Street Party and Spring Fling continue to happen. This is gonna be where most of the ministry of our church takes place. And we're gonna have two boats. Amen. One in Horizon West on the weekends, one on the Oasis campus throughout the week. And we're gonna steward these two boats to the best of our ability to reach people for Jesus. Amen. Amen. Um, one, of the, one of the questions I knew that people were gonna have is, okay, where is this place, okay? This here is our Oasis campus. You might have to strain a little bit to see it, but you can see here. Um, this is the 429, and this is Horizon High School. The, the two mile markers uh, here, not mile markers, but place markers are Orange County National, the golf course, if you guys know where that is. That's on the west side of the 429, or kind of just right on the 429, and Magic Kingdom's over here. So the Horizon High School campus is going to be eight miles south of our Oasis campus. For some of you, that's going to be a little bit further to drive once a week. For some of you, that's going to be a heck of a lot closer to drive once a week. But here's the beauty. I don't believe anybody is coming to our campus because it's convenient. You're coming because you've bought into a vision of what God could do through a diverse community of truly good friends who band together to do good works and to share the good news of Jesus with our part of the world. That's why you're here. And we're going to have the opportunity to maintain ministry eight miles apart at our Oasis campus and our brand new Horizon High School campus. And our goal is mid to late October, but we only get there one way. It's if you say, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. And listen, not just I'll attend, 
Not just I'll affiliate, I'm talking about I will sit on a floor with kids and play so that they have an opportunity to hear and respond to the gospel. I I will show up at six o'clock in the morning and unload trucks and sweat and get my hands dirty because I want a stake in what God is gonna do through this church. I'll stay late to tear down. I'll work in the tech booth. I'll do the things. I'll open doors and see. We need all of it. We have a goal of 150 volunteers ready to serve every weekend. That is just about all of us. So, so I, I say, well, when are we going to do this? Well, we're targeting mid to late October. But the truth is, you're going to tell us when we do it. You're going to let us know. And if you'll say, I'm in, you tell me where you need. We got places, we got five different ministry areas, but, but I'm in. We're going to put you to work. We're going to make a move. And we're going to begin to see exponentially more people encounter Jesus because we said, I'm in. Um, I told you we had a... Um, a video that we wanted to share. I'm going to kind of get out of the way so you can watch this. But William and Shiloh are so excited about what God is doing here. William said to me, because I was sensitive, I'm like, man, this campus has been home for our Oasis uh, congregation for, in some cases, years. This has been a place where maybe they encountered Jesus. This is where they were baptized. This is where they've encountered, like, that could be challenging. I started calling those families, and to a person, they said, hey, we appreciate your call. You didn't need to do that. We're in. Like, we're ready. (laughs) And William said, Chris, this is exciting. This is why Oasis Church began to exist. I said, well, it's why Horizon West Church began as well. And we've never had stability. Like, we've moved from place to place. Like, But you know what? It's okay. It's okay. Because there came a point where we left our nets behind anyway. And we said, Jesus, if you're going there, we're going there. And if you're going and we're just going to stay nimble and flexible, we're going to go in for what you have for us. Watch this video in William and Shiloh. Hello, Horizon West family. We are super excited to connect with you guys this Sunday. Yeah, and a little birdie told us that God is doing things not only in Winter Garden and Nigeria, but expanding all the way to the community of Horizon West. Yeah, we are just super excited about the doors that God is opening for our church to move our fingerprints beyond Winter Garden to the Horizon West area. We're so thankful that God is always faithful and uh, we celebrate with you guys with this incredible news and we look forward to meeting with you guys in the near future and worshiping in this new environment that God is opening for us. So we love you. We love you. We love you and we miss you guys. God bless you all. Amen. Man, y'all can cheer for them. We love them. Love William and Shiloh. By the way, God is continuing to do an incredible work through them in Nigeria. They've got about uh, six, seven more weeks there. Um, and as excited as I am for them to be there, I'm just eager for them to be here as well. And so uh, we'll be excited to welcome them back. Hey, I want us to close the service in this way. Would you get out your phone? Yeah, I gave you permission. You can do that. Would you get out your phone? I want you to text right now to 40777, I want you to text the words, I'm in, okay? You, you may not know fully what you signed up for, that's okay. I promise you, God is at work and you don't wanna miss what's about to happen. So get out your phones, text I'm in to 40777. It may take just a minute because of Wi-Fi or signal in the room or whatever it might be, so don't panic. But you will get a response eventually and then you will get a form 
where you can let us know a couple of things. One, where you're interested in maybe learning about volunteer opportunities, what different area or department. There's an opportunity to say, hey, we'd, we'd like to go in on a group. Like, like we don't want to just come on. We, like, we want to be part of a midweek group. We want to let you have opportunity to do that as well. And then there's a comment section. If you've got questions or things that weren't quite answered, you're like, I'm a little confused about this. Let me answer this so that there's no ambiguity. We are one church and together moving weekend services to, Her to Horizon High School. Like we are all going together on Sunday mornings there as one church. And so I want to close by just painting a vision for you of what God could do. Horizon High School, like this campus, is surrounded by neighborhoods. Many of these people have lived there for a few years or even months or even weeks. And they're going to drive by our campus on a Sunday and they're going to see banners and people in t-shirts and friendly faces and they're going to go, I don't see a lot of churches over here, but I know where one is. There's a lot of interest in this high school just because it's a brand new space. People are going to want to see it. And we're going to be the church, our unique DNA and imprint to not just be another church, but to be a vital life source for a community that desperately needs Jesus. And because of this movement, we're going to see marriages saved. We're going to be, see people brought to the kingdom of God. We're going to see people baptized like we'll see at our 11 o'clock service in just a few moments. God is at work. The question is, are you in? Would you pray with me? Father, it is a humbling thing to be stewards of what you're doing. I think about the Apostle Paul who said, man, we have this incredible treasure, but we hold it in jars of clay. Fragile, breakable, but God, the reason you did that is so that the world would know that this surpassing glory is from you and not from us. That when the light shines through the cracks of our frailty and our limitations, just like it did for a man named Peter, that the world would see and glorify you. Go before us, go behind us, come alongside us. God, this is your work, and we simply tell you we're in. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys are dismissed. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening to the Horizon West Church Podcast. If you were inspired or encouraged by something you heard today, share it with a friend. For more information like our service time, location, and other info, be sure to visit us online at horizonwestchurch.com. Have a great week. message from Horizon West Church. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at horizonwestchurch.com. And if you're in the Horizon West area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now enjoy this podcast from Horizon West Church.